Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. Club to you too, over there. I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> we welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals kapusta, funky, padoe, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of Polish tradition there. Hey, everybody. Thanks for dealing with our technical difficulties. Jacques Shamash. This is Jake Kokorowski. we got the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski. Welcome to another edition of the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter and, uh, you know, obviously brought to you by Rent College Pads, our sponsor. Uh, great to have them on board. And it is a wild evening coming up. Uh, lots to talk about. At the bottom of the hour, you got Jeremy Schmidt from uh, Buckskipball.com talking some Milwaukee Bucks, their 2015-16 season. The news about possibly Dwight Howard uh, at the trade deadline, if he would have opted in, what how he would have been. The development of Jabari Parker and Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, and Chris Middleton and among others. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk some NFL Combine down down the road. Uh, we got some Milwaukee Brewers talk with uh, spring training opening up this week, and the Brewers getting uh, I think it's two victories in spring training today. Maybe some uh, Hank the Dog conspiracy theories, uh, and and we'll talk a, a little bit more about that just in a little bit. But first, Scotty, how is your week going, my friend? Oh, it's been a crazy week, but. Uh... I guess all right. It could always be worse. Um, had that little bit of return to winter, and then of course I see next week that we're going to get into the 60s. So uh, that'll that'll at least feel good. But otherwise, everything's been well. It's been an interesting sports week too, as we get uh, closer to all the worlds overlapping with uh, baseball starting now and the football off season, and of course hockey, basketball, and NCAA playoffs. It's an interesting time of the year. It absolutely is, and. It's been an interesting time to say the least for the Wisconsin Badgers, uh, especially the men's basketball team. At one point, nine and nine. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, one and four in Big Ten play. Next thing you know, come back. Winners of 11 of their last 12. Uh, mm-hmm. Vaulted now into different positions, uh, different uh, seedings, I should say, according to whoever you're looking at. I think Zach Heilprin from ESPN Wisconsin noted that they uh, the Badgers would move up in his seeding tonight. 
Uh, and then Jerry Palm from CBS uh, ranked them, uh, has them up there. They are no longer pretty much a bubble team. Uh, yeah, uh, Lenardi just said that tonight, uh, according to Zach Kyleprin, that uh, on ESPN Wisconsin, that, he was le- that Wisconsin's likely to be a sixth seed, depending upon what happens uh, this evening in his latest bracket. But really, to kind of break this all down, we have our our basketball manager our, for Bucky's fifth quarter, the the all awesome. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at, at Hoops Marinara. It is Phil Mitten. Phil, happy Thursday. Thanks for popping on on such short notice. And if we were to tell you when Greg Gard would, was, took over in that impromptu way that he did in the middle of December and say that he would take a team, the team to uh, a record, was it, what, 13, 13, 14, and 5, and on this 11 of 12 winning, uh, you know, streak that they have going in, uh, how crazy would I have sounded to you? Uh, good evening, guys. It, w- it would have sounded pretty crazy at the time, just based on how inconsistent Wisconsin was the first half of the year. Um, winning 11 of 12 is uh, tough to do for any club, let alone a young group like this, but under guards watch they have grown up in a hurry it's been fantastic to watch you you know phil this team i I know they have to have a couple dominoes fall their way and win their own game on sunday could be a three seed or you know three or four seed in the tournament the big 10 tournament i should say that starts next week and again a team that that I was disappointed in in the non-conference season, thought they should have won a few more games, even though they had lost some, some huge uh, stars from last year. But the fact that they were able to turn it around, put themselves in that position where they could actually get a couple extra days off leading into their first game in the Big Ten tournament is, is amazing. What's been the biggest factor? I mean, obviously the team's playing better, but can you point to, to two things, three things maybe that, that are different now than they were 12 games ago? Well, I don't think any one huge thing uh, jumps out at you when you look through the games. I guess a common theme is that different people have stepped up when they've needed to step up, whether that be, uh, you know, Bronson Koenig having a good game when he was kind of in a little rut uh, prior to this run, or, uh, you know, Ethan Happ having another monster game. Khalil Iverson has popped off in a couple of big games, and then, kind of faded back to the background, Illocanon making shots. Um, Vito Brown's shooting is probably the one constant. He's been on fire from three-point land. His confidence looks sky high right now. Um, And so, you know, you can debate how much of that you want to attribute to going back to the swing offense, but there's no doubt that since uh, returning from a little injury he had, Vito Brown has been a major part of Wisconsin's offense and that has propelled them on this winning streak. We're here with Phil Mitten here on Bucky's fifth quarter, the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Rent College Pads. And you mentioned, you know, Vito Brown, just some of the production, but you have to give, obviously, Greg Gard a lot of credit, and he's been rewarded with, from what a report by the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel's Jeff Patrikas, uh, this uh, a report from today saying, that Wisconsin's going to offer Greg Gard a long-term contract. Uh, what, you know, you mentioned it going back to some swing, doing other stuff. Uh, Greg Gard, uh, Big Ten Coach of the Year, 
and, and just how and maybe people don't understand just uh, maybe it's just because of the, the the precedent that's been set with Bull Ryan and uh, the the winning ways ever since really he's you know a consecutive and consistent winning rate ways but what job has Greg Gard done for the Wisconsin Badgers men's basketball team yeah it's just been a phenomenal job uh, even if you have all the pieces in place and a stable program just to carry that on and continue to win in what's been a very good year in the Big Ten. A lot of talented teams um, throughout the league, especially in the upper half. Uh, But then on top of that, doing it with a club that lost so much and has so many young pieces, it's depending on guys learning new roles. you can't say enough about what guard has done, taking that foundation, a lot of the philosophies from Bo Ryan, but yet showing up a few, showing his own uh, little touches here and there, a few wrinkles he's inserted or ways he's deviated from Bo Ryan, such as, you know, how quick is his hook with turnovers or how often does he bring guys back in with two fouls? Um, stuff like that. That's been very impressive. And, I know a lot of people probably have made up their minds, uh, certainly among fans and maybe media members too, on who Coach of the Year is. But I'd say Guard is uh, coaching for that award on Sunday against Purdue. If he can pull an upset against Purdue, it's awfully hard to vote for someone other than him. So I think right now it's down to him and Tom Crean, considering what's happened at Iowa. Bill, when you look at the Big Ten, um, obviously the top half of the conference is still great. They're obviously a top three conference. They're still a power conference. This year, the bottom of the conference, maybe not as strong as it's been in the past, but when you look at the tournament, and I don't expect you to be Joel Lenardi or play bracketologist, but how many teams from this conference do you think uh, end up in the, the tournament? I, I guess I would say... Uh, I haven't counted them up. I don't. I don't think Ohio State would get in. Um, so that leaves uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Purdue, uh, Maryland, Iowa, Indiana, uh, and probably Michigan State. So you're looking at seven possibly there. Uh, I don't have in front of me who Michigan plays. That would be the one bubble team, and I think a lot of projections have them still in at this point. So getting seven in would, <laughs> you know, that's a good year. Uh, for yeah. any league, of course, so uh, no different with the Big Ten. I, w- I would go with uh, seven at this point. And, yeah, especially seven having a – with the fact that you have Minnesota and Rutgers uh, in this conference right now is a, is a testament right there to the Big Ten strength, which is just how bad they've played. And uh, I know you had fun also with the Daily Gopher uh, uh, with uh, them uh, earlier this week after uh, just doing the, the grilling there, but – uh, yeah, and, and our uh, colleague Kurt, uh, you know, Hogue talked. Uh, he wrote this nice piece up. Uh, I don't know if you had. A ch- I'm sure you had a chance. To, yeah, you previewed it and you published it. It just seems like the seeding for the Big Ten tournament that's coming up, and obviously Wisconsin does play Purdue uh, coming up on, on Sunday, like you said. And it, it's how. Uh, where do you see Wisconsin possibly uh, being seeded in this tournament? And is there a seed in in the Big Ten tournament that's optimal for their chances to to make a run to to become the tournament champions? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've looked at it a little bit, um, and basically the thing I keep coming back to is 
even if they beat Purdue, they could get as high as a number two seed there. But what you don't want to see if you're a number two seed is a number three seeded Michigan state. Cause that's the one team who's as hot or hotter than the Badgers right now. Um, just playing incredible basketball as Wisconsin well knows from their last meeting. So um, there are a number of scenarios where that could happen. And then you're looking at your second big 10 tournament game going back up against them. Um, odds aren't super great that you'd make a deep run if you have to face Michigan state early. But um, so the Michigan state, Ohio state game uh, coming up will be big as far as seedings and who, uh, who would be seen by the Badgers later on down the road. Um, But uh, you know, other than that, the two, three, four seeds, um, those all are kind of interchangeable. It's kind of amazing how stuff is still up in the air with only a few games left to go. And I'm not sure how the results tonight have changed anything. Maryland needed to lose out um, for Wisconsin to get a two seed without beating Purdue. And I believe they destroyed Illinois already today. So um looks like Wisconsin will need to beat Purdue to get up as high as the two seed. And, um, Obviously, that'll be a tall task for him at Mackey. You know, in this day and age of um, projecting ahead and 24-hour sports networks and, and Internet news everywhere, it's never too early to look past the task at hand. And I saw a, an article that, that projected next year's Badgers team to be a top 10, easily a top 10 team, and maybe even a top five preseason uh, pick. Now, again, we haven't even played the Big Ten tournament yet. We haven't even seen this team play in the, in the NCAA tournament yet, but people are making that pr- prediction based on what they have coming back and how this team has gelled. As ridiculous as it sounds, let's just look in our crystal ball and tell me where you think this team, how they're going to look preseason-wise heading into next year. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I just the other day looked at some of the Big Ten teams who who's young out there who's going to be stacked next year with Wisconsin obviously one of the ones leading the way and um obviously the big question over the off season will be Nigel Hayes what's he going to do is is there an NBA team or two that's uh giving him an indication that they'll draft him in which case he'll leave I would imagine um but even without him you're looking at another probably top 15 top 20 preseason team and um, you remember they've got two kids ineligible this year, whether for uh, NCAA reasons or an injury holding them back from this freshman <laughs> class, that they're going to add uh, much-needed shooting talent to next year's team, and uh, that being Brevin Pritzel and Andy Van Vliet. So they've, even though they haven't signed anybody in the freshman class, you're counting on everybody being a year better. Uh, getting a lot of experience learning how to win as they've done down the stretch here. Um, and then adding a couple of very talented pieces, I, you know, the future is really bright. <laughs> the one, you know, thing that obviously a lot can still happen. You know, we can see how guard uh, coaches in the tournament setting. We haven't seen that yet is guard a guy who's going to overthink himself in the off season and tinker with, stuff we we haven't seen that's uncharted waters for him so you know anything's possible but i think based on what we've seen here 
uh, Wisconsin's going to get the same respect in the preseason polls as they did probably with Bo Ryan at the helm. And Phil, I mean, uh, with that, uh, predictions for Sunday as we as we let you go and get back to your. I know we were talking before the before the show that your your tacos and hopefully the weight is worth the food that you uh, you know the taste is is delightful with the preparation they put forth there. But uh, your predictions for for Sunday and uh, heading into the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I, it's going to be a tough one. Like I said. Um, you know, Badgers are the hotter team, but uh, again, Purdue was just too big, too physical in the first meeting. Uh, even though I thought the Badgers played relatively well, this is way back at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, so it was a long time ago. But uh, uh, I, I'll say this: if Alex Ilkanen can find his outside shot again, rediscover that, I think the Badgers can pull off another upset. The road warriors they've been over the last few years that can continue, I think, if they can get another big hit in their outside shots because I think they're just brimming with confidence right now. So, And and who's to say what happens in the Big Ten tournament there? I, I feel confident with the Badgers going up against just about anybody but Michigan State right now. But with that said, I'd love, love to see them get another crack at the Spartans. Bill, as usual, my friend, always wonderful to have you on, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. Obviously, coming up with with NCAA tournament time, we have the ability to, you know, obviously, uh, whatever happens on Selection Sunday, we'd love to have you back on, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road, my friend. Yeah, sounds great, guys. It's Qdoba time. (laughs) Sounds good, guys. Phil Mitten, follow him on Twitter, at HoopsMarinera on Twitter, and uh, of course, here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Rent College Pads, and today's show is brought to you by Rent College Pads, uh, and uh, we just want to thank our presenting sponsor for their support of the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Finding off-campus housing has always been a chore until now. Browse tons of properties on Rent College Pads today. They have all the best apartments and houses around campus and in Madison. Find your next place on Rent College Pads today. Where do we want to go? We, we could talk a little Packers. Uh, we could talk some uh, Combine, uh, which is not never really my favorite subject. We could go, why don't we go Packers and then lead into the Bucks? Because a couple interesting news and note-worthy things coming out of Green Bay. Obviously, signing Mason Crosby uh, yep. to a, a, a four-year deal was huge. And the announcement that... Uh, Julius Peppers will be back for another year. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, with with Crosby, obviously a, a good deal. For, uh, the Packers doing what they do best, and and that is simply just re, you know resigning the, the free agents that they want to keep uh, that are their own that, that have come from uh, their uh, um, yeah from the team. And you're looking at that uh, the simple fact that Mason Crosby, the all-time leading scorer of the Green Bay Packers, uh, re- they resigned him. Which is uh, a great sign, especially with the years that he's had recently. And uh, you know, the, let me just take a look, see if we can find the terms of the deal really quick. But uh, resign him. There's talks, obviously, Julie Pep, Julius Peppers coming back. Uh, in in you know, Latroy Guyon. I mean, they're doing what they're supposed to do, right? Uh, it, you know, yeah, even with it, the 
yeah, yeah, go from and, there. And I just, yeah, 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 no, and I just wanted to say too. Okay, so maybe this year the the Packers will be more active in free agency. Maybe they won't again, and everybody will get mad like they always do. But again, when they do go free agent route, you know what they did with Woodson. When they signed Peppers, I sat here on this show and said, if he gets two good years, there was a win for the Packers. He got two good years and a third year. They didn't even like. To the, I thought it'd be two when they'd cut him, but again, so it was a win when when Ted Thompson delved into free agency. It's usually a win, and that's why I think it frustrates some Packers fans more that he doesn't do it more often. But uh, hey, I mean, he's hit on the ones that he's swung for. Yeah, and it, 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 I'm like I said, this is a. I mean, he's following the plan. He's going to draft. I mean, and you're looking at some of the. I know the Chargers, I believe, just released one of their inside linebackers, and I know they're. I mean, you're looking at the. And we've talked about it kind of ad nauseum about what this team needs. And yeah, uh, yeah inside linebacker, you're looking at a tight end that can stretch the field. I don't think you're going to find a tight end that's going to really stretch the field that's in free agency or in, maybe in the draft you have a better chance of. And I know uh, there's a tight end from Stanford. There's also the Arkansas's uh, tight end. I, their names escape me at the moment, which makes me feel bad. But with uh, those two, those might be the best options. Uh, but even an inside linebacker, if a guy like Reggie Raglan from Alabama, Badger fans remember him quite well from the – uh, the kickoff classic back in September, uh, and, and the way he led the national championship, uh, uh, Alabama Crimson Crimson Tide to that national title. Uh, but yeah, I mean those are kind of like the big ones I would say. Uh, and uh, well, we'll see if they, you know, if he hits it. I don't think you'll find it in a tight end necessarily that that'll fit that bill. But maybe that, you know, inside linebacker, maybe they fill that in free agency and then maybe draft someone lower. Uh, well, if they can't get a right what, one. That's what I was thinking. Like They have three real needs, and then they have some other things that they could use upgrades. And you can always use more D-backs you know, and more defensive linemen. So those are more you know, depth spots. You know they need an inside linebacker. You know they need an offensive tackle. And you know they need a tight end. If they address two of those needs in free agency – I don't think Packer fans have a right to be upset or to be angry about anything. If they address one of those, but it's a high-profile splash, I think Packer fans should be fairly happy. I'd like to see them address one of their three biggest needs in free agency and one of their three depth needs in free agency. So sign two quality, high-impact free agents. You'll shut the, 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 the doubters up, and you'll make your team better, which is really more important than shutting up the doubters. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering uh I don't know what else the I'm just trying to think like what else the they can they can do. I mean, the team, I mean, obviously you're getting back a good uh, Jordan Nelson, which obviously underneath surgery you're always worried about, but uh you saw some development from Janice, you saw some development obviously out of Aberderis, uh, even at uh especially with uh Janice and, and Aberderis against the Cardinals uh, and the Packers still came close to to beating the Cardinals. In right, Arizona. and you still you have you have a talented Montgomery who we haven't seen uh, even the, the the surface of what he can do yet. A question mark in Devontae Adams because right. again a talented guy who just struggled. You you will have if Nelson's back even at ninety five percent that makes Cobb more effective. So I I think you you don't want to push the panic button on receivers. 
because I heard names being thrown out there, like, what about this guy, what about this guy? And then cut who? Like, I mean, it's a pretty good chance, or more than likely James Jones won't be back, okay? And they'll probably draft a, a, a wide receiver in the fourth round, fifth round, whatever. But my point is, if you sign a guy, at what cost? I mean, who do you get rid of, Janice? You get rid of Abaderis? Do you get rid of Devontae Adams? I know that Packer fans are going to say yes, but the Packers aren't going to say that. It's just, he's a third-year player. So at what cost do you sign a, a higher-profile free agent? At, at whose expense? You know, so I, I just I don't see them going. I, again, they'll draft the player there and see if he can beat out somebody at the one of the last two or three receivers on the roster, but – I just I can't see that they're I don't know I can't see that they're going to go beyond that. And yeah, I just uh, it'll be like I said I think they're doing the right thing. Even I mean the salary cap is up to about 155 million uh, according to reports out there. So they do they'll have some money to spend, but maybe they bank it like they've started rolling over some of the money for you're you're looking at. Uh, you know, uh, next season is that you know Ted Thompson's always not looking at the, just that next season, but the season after and the season after that, where you have uh, your offensive linemen uh, obviously need to be addressed uh, among other players, and uh, we'll see if they make that splash. Um, other than that, uh, let's uh, let's talk real quick about uh, about the Brewers, if you can. I mean, and obviously you're excited, and I think that's a big thing coming up and and it's it, I don't know you and I talked about a little off ta- offline about this Hank the dog conspiracy of whether or not of uh, our uh, SB Nation cousins at Brew Crew Ball putting out a post about uh Hank the dog being a uh a, you know an imposter or a new Hank and the Brewers didn't tell us apparently it's gotten to the point where uh, mainstream media where the Milwaukee Brewers are actually holding a press conference to discuss Hank one, as they call Hank. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, is it, 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 is it such a big deal or is this, is this just something like extremely silly, Scotty? Scotty, can you hear me? All right, folks, it looks like we may have some technical difficulties. Everything is flowing well on my end. Scotty, are you there, brother? All right, we're going to give Scotty one more time to give him a quick call in. Apparently, I can't hear him for some odd reason. Uh, Scotty, are you there? This is great if we're on live... uh, Live here on Blog Talk Radio, and uh, I am not able to hear him. Let's give him one more time on that. Uh, but other than that, you know, it's a the Milwaukee Brewers. Let me know. What... Hi, you have reached the cell phone of Scott Wisniewski. I And that is not the case there, folks. So on that note, we're a couple minutes before the bottom of the hour. What we're going to do real quick. Oh, there he is. Scotty, you there, brother? And for some odd reason, there he is. Now I can finally hear you. I was, dude, I was here the whole time. Like I could hear everything you were saying. 
That is some weird stuff, man. I couldn't even hear a single yeah. thing you were saying. Of like, course, you were crystal clear. Crystal clear. Like, I'm like, well, did I lose signal? Did my call drop? No, you were, like, crystal clear. I don't know what that was all about. But um, anyway, the question was about Hank the dog and the controversy, right? That was uh, – Right. That was – okay. I, I think it's silly. Um, I understand that it's going to be a rough year, and because of that, they might be looking for – but this early in training camp, like, there's a lot of – you don't run out of stories till like, week three of spring training. Like, there's a lot of things you could write about. The center field race, uh, Brett Phillips, the pitching staff, um, the farm system. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things you could be writing about in the first week of spring training. It just seemed like – kind of seemed like the timing was just odd and weird. It was. I, I will say, I mean – uh, on that note, with with what we you and I have seen and and other things where it, you know, like you said, there are some position battles. The Brett Phillips laugh, by the way, is uh, something that I will continue to watch each day and just laugh hysterically at. But uh, you know, I, I will also say too that you know, with that uh, the story and just uh, some of the response from maybe the media, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just one of those things where. Uh, we'll see what they say. Maybe Brew Paul is onto something, and they've they've stumbled upon this. But uh, I'm you know I'm only uh, we'll we'll leave it at that. But obviously it's an exciting at least it'll be exciting for the Brewers where it comes to the fact that uh, there will be some young talent showing up this year. Uh, you mentioned Phillips at some point. Uh, you know Arcia as shortstop, not necessarily right off the bat, obviously. But uh, there, there's some young talent there. There's some abilities um, to see this team uh, rebuild. Uh, and, you know, I mean, obviously it's only spring training. Uh, but they, you know, they they played against the uh, University of uh, you know, UW-Milwaukee a couple, you know, a day or so ago. And then also uh, they had, a, uh, you know, they won a couple of splits odd games this uh, this uh, afternoon down in that nice sunny Arizona that's not 30 degrees out. Here's a story it could write about. The Brewers have the lowest payroll in baseball um, by quite significantly, by almost $10 million. Um, however, you mentioned earlier about the salary cap in football going up to about $155 million. Eight Major League Baseball teams, and only have 25 men on the roster, mind you, eight Major League Baseball teams would have exceeded the NFL salary cap at this point in the season. Wow. Very nice. Kind of crazy, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say. So, so I tell you, I, you know, it's it's funny. I don't I don't care. It's not my money. I always thought it was funny, though, how football is probably, out of the major sports, the most damaging, physically damaging sport with the shortest careers and the least amount of guaranteed money. And they've blown out – their salaries are just blown out of the water by Major League Baseball in the NBA, like, every year. It's just, it's amazing to me. Oh, yeah. No, it's, uh, I agree. <laughs> and, and, one, and one last thing about Hank, though, too, this Hank story. The, the Hank story has been stupid to me from the first day it broke. It really was. They, it was a created story in my mind to get some buzz around a team that didn't have high hopes, and all of a sudden that team started out of the gate looking like world beaters, and then they had the epic collapse two years ago. But 
I I just never got the Hank stuff. I don't I don't. I mean, it's cute if you met, like. Oh, hey, Hank, we got. But the amount of coverage that that dog has gotten is borderline ridiculous, if you ask me. Just ridiculous. So the fact that we've now got a counter Hank story or a Hank conspiracy story or an anti-Hank story is just as silly as the Hank craze from the beginning in the first place. Yeah. It's, hey, uh, marketing, money, it, it, it happens. Uh, you know, it's, it's a revenue generator, especially when things go south. So, in, in fact, I'm upset that I just spent three minutes talking about it. <laughs> what else could I have done with those three minutes? What I could have found a, a cure for some disease or saved somebody from a burning building. or I, I don't know. I could have done something with those three minutes that I'll never get back now. <laughs> uh, on that note, uh, you know, we'll talk obviously some more brewers. We'll hope to get ourselves a brewers correspondent in a, uh, down the road, especially with the season comes, comes up. Uh, what? Uh, how about we say we talk some bucks? How does that sound? It sounds good to me. All right, guys. Uh, We're going to take one quick break, come back, talk Milwaukee Bucks with Jeremy Schmidt of Bucksketball here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Brent College Pads. Welcome back to the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Rent College Pads and a proud part of Bucky's fifth quarter. This is Jay Kokorowski, bottom of the hour. We got the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski, and yeah, we haven't had a real a lot of a, a big chance to really have the opportunity to talk some bucks. We've been so uh, obsessed with the National Signing Day back in early February. We've talked uh, Badgers basketball. And obviously talking NFL at the end of the season and, and combine and all that fun stuff and needs. You know, we haven't had a chance to really talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. And with that in mind, especially with uh, everything going on, the, the Bucks, uh, you know, turning up a little bit more. And uh, right now, they're just about, from what I looked at just a little bit ago, about six games out of the eighth and final playoff seed. We welcome on Jeremy Schmidt from Ball.com. He's right there. Uh, part of the Network. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. And uh, kind of going straight into it, what yeah, the, the Bucks right now, obviously they, they lose to the Pacers last night, 104-99, but had a, had a pretty impressive win uh, earlier in the week against uh, Sam Decker and the Houston Rockets, uh, 128-121. What's this Bucks team been about the, the past, you know, the past 10 games, the past months in terms of just – improving and, and also just uh, fighting for, for some playoff spots? 
Well, first of all, I didn't realize Sam Decker was getting lead billing for the Houston Rockets. Yeah. What a big moment for him. It's Very a Wisconsin-based blog. I have to say Sam <laughs> Decker. It, Scotty knows. I know Scott, Scotty gets agitated a little bit with me, but it's always something with uh-huh. with me. Uh, you know, if it was Frank Kaminsky or, or John Luer, it'd be the same way. But that's just maybe the, the Wisconsin leanings with 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 the uh, with Bucky's this quarter. But yeah, yeah. But on. yeah. Let's, as far as the Bucks go, I think when you talk about the last nine or ten games, the big story with them, pretty much since right before the All-Star break, has been the play of Jabari Parker and the play of Giannis and Dedekumbo. Giannis has been good all season, but at this point, Jabari is starting to come into his own a little bit. Right before the All-Star break, the Bucks moved Greg Monroe and Michael Carter-Williams to the bench, and they kind of handed over the reins of the point guard position to Giannis. So since Giannis has been playing point guard and him and Jabari have been kind of leading the starting lineup alongside Chris Middleton, Jabari's been averaging just about, I believe, over 20 points a game. Giannis has had two triple doubles. He's been moving the ball. He's been very assertive on offense. And Middleton keeps in that you know mid-20s range, hitting threes, being able to create for himself and a little bit more for others. So those three have really come on over the past nine or ten games, which has been especially encouraging given that Parker had really struggled earlier in the season. I think he's had now 20 or more points in five of his last seven games. And before that, he only had 20 or more points once this season. So it's been quite a turnaround. And I think this is exactly what people were hoping to see out of Jabari Parker as he got more comfortable returning from the injury. Now, Jeremy, I tend to have the reputation of being more pessimistic. And I do think the future is like the Bucks. And I, and I love watching Giannis and Jabari, but let's, the, the one thing I can't get over, and, and this is not second-guessing because Jake will attest to it, I, I was upset about it when the trade was made. Michael Carter-Williams, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that they played better with him on the bench or not in the lineup at all. Um, so going forward, A, what do the Bucks do long-term in the offseason? Are they going to try to move Michael Carter-Williams? And B, what is the biggest issue? Because to me, it's a red flag when a team like Philadelphia, whether they're tanking or not, trades away a guy that was the top rookie the year before. There's obviously something about his game or something about things we don't see on the court that has has affected the team negatively since he was acquired and has just basically made him very inconsistent in his now one full season with the Bucks. Yeah. I mean, the big knock on him has always been that he's been a very poor shooter and this season he's actually improved as a shooter, but he's kind of, I guess he's gotten a little bit worse overall. And that's kind of concerning. If he's, he's never, he's probably never going to be a great shooter. He's always going to be, at best, an average shooter. He's probably, for another few years at the minimum, going to be a below-average shooter. So if he's a below-average shooter and he's not improving in those other facets of the game, if he's not getting better as kind of a leader on the court, if his court vision is not improving, if he's turning the ball over too much, if he's using too many possessions for a guy who is a bad shooter, those are all bad signs. And it doesn't seem like he's made much progress in any of those areas this season. When they made the trade, I'll admit I wasn't all that excited about Carter Williams either. I, 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 didn't, I wasn't really sold on Brandon Knight being the point guard of the future for the Bucks, so it didn't seem like they were really shooting themselves in the foot to, to much of an extent when they were acquiring him. It was kind of, they had to make a decision between Knight and Middleton, and I think ultimately they made the right decision on which guy to re-sign. So the benefit of having acquired Carter Williams was that they got two seasons where his contract is very affordable. They're not, they're not hurting themselves from a salary cap perspective. And it was kind of taking a chance on a guy who, like you said, had been the rookie of the year previously. Now, Philadelphia was giving up on him, but 
Philadelphia was a team that was really, at that time, it was really tough to project when they ever wanted to be good, what did they really think was a good player, what wasn't a good player. They were they're kind, of, they're kind of a strange situation. So overall, that trade hasn't worked out as well as the Bucks have hoped because Carter Williams hasn't progressed in the way that surely they would have liked him to. But on the other hand, it's a low-risk asset. They, didn't, they haven't really lost much by acquiring him. And now by moving him to the bench, they've really made way for Giannis to take the reins. If they got a different point guard who would have maybe been showing subtle signs but still been not been that good, maybe Giannis wouldn't have had the freedom to move into that point guard position and start putting up triple doubles. So NBA is a weird, crazy, crazy puzzle. You know, making put, putting together a team takes a lot of luck and it takes a lot of foresight and a lot of learning from mistakes. The other good thing about Carter Williams is that he does seem to be good with the other guys. There seems to be good chemistry overall from a locker room perspective. Him and Giannis seem to be the best of friends. So, you know, if you get a guy that at least gets along with everybody, if you have to release him eventually and he's not doing too much damage, there are worse things that could happen. You know, Jeremy, along those lines, you talked about chemistry and getting along with teammates. Uh, It's a two-part question. Number one, Greg Monroe, some people have thought he's been a disappointment, at least defensively. However, one of the better plus-minuses on the team at minus 43. But now there's the him and Middleton issue. Can you delve a little bit deeper into what that's all about and the long-reaching impact that that could have on this team? It's super weird, right? (laughs) Like, It's it's, it's very bizarre (laughs) to see... Whatever's going on. I mean, there's a lot of times when guys kind of get into it a little bit during games, right? The first thing that they mm-hmm. had during Boston where they kind of mixed it up a little bit on the bench and had a little bit of a blowout, you know, that could be guys missing assignments or guys trying to hold each other accountable. And sometimes it goes a little south because, you know, when you're in a game where things are getting close and you think you could win the game and one or two things goes wrong, it's common for guys to have little blowups like that. But this thing last game where – Monroe seemed to blow off the handshake or the high five. Those those post free throw high fives are almost a religious right. It's almost you know the way that there's unwritten rules in baseball. An unwritten rule of basketball is that you give your teammate a high five whether he makes or misses that damn free throw, right? So for him right. to not get in there and give him the high five and then kind of almost reject it when Middleton came in, it was very it was very curious. And you know I haven't seen too much. Uh, I'm sure this will be a hot topic tomorrow. I'm sure everybody's going to be asking Monroe and Milton about it, but I, I suspect that they're going to show a united front. It's possible that Monroe's pretty frustrated with how things have gone of late, being moved to the bench. His minutes have been similar, but he has in some games not gotten the same clutch minutes that he got previously. Perhaps he's a little bit frustrated. Him and him and Middleton obviously have some kind of history going back to Detroit. I'm not really sure about the nature of their relationship, but this would be the first that we saw any signs of fractures on the chemistry in the locker room for the Bucks because it seems like they've been a group that's gotten along famously in the last season, really the last two seasons. Here with Jeremy Schmidt from Buckskipball.com. And with here's a little interesting nugget too where, you know, I, I reading some reports about Dwight Howard saying that uh, he wanted to go to the Bucks about but they would have to uh, they wanted him to opt in for for the next season. Uh, if if we could play, let's say that 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 would have happened. How weird would it be to have Dwight Howard in Milwaukee as a Buck, and and how would how would he fit into the offense? Offensively, I think it'd be a pretty smooth fit, given that they they have a post up center right now in Greg Monroe. It would be easy to allot his post up touches to Dwight Howard, and Howard does a lot of the same things well that for example, Miles Palmer or John Henson does well. 
So I think he would be able to function pretty well within what Milwaukee does just from a pure basketball standpoint. As far as everything else goes, it seems like bringing him into any locker room always seems like a gamble. <laughs> you know, Howard's that kind of, he's kind of the guy who thinks he's the funniest guy in the room, but he's actually the least funny guy in the room. He, he's he got his own <laughs> jokes that he thinks are funny and it doesn't seem like anybody else really thinks they're funny. And I don't know if you're even around <laughs> people like that, but they're about as grating as, as human beings as, as, as possible. So I, it would, I, I can't, I can only imagine that it would have been at least a little bit challenging to try and fit somebody like that in the locker room over a two month period. Now that's probably why they wanted him to lock, opt in for another season. So it's not just a short term rental because obviously this season is not really going in a promising direction from a win loss standpoint. He would have probably made a positive impact there, but it would have been still tough for them to make the eighth seed. Um, it would have been quite an experiment. It probably would have been as flashy a trade as the Bucks would have made since that uh, Ray Allen for Gary Payton trade back in 2003. So ultimately, on a personal level, I'm, I'm glad it didn't work out. It just seems like his timing and the Bucks' timing, he's getting a little bit older. The Bucks are still a pretty young team. It didn't seem like everything aligned very smoothly. So ultimately, I think it's probably for the better for Milwaukee that he didn't end up coming over. Jeremy, you, you, you touched on the Ray Allen trade. It made me think when that trade happened, I kind of equated to the first time the Titanic hit the iceberg before they knew they were going to sink. But <laughs> speaking of which, um, again, the excitement is great for the future, and the arena finally got done, and that was something that really worried me as a longtime Milwaukeean and a Bucks fan for the last 38 years. But – we look at the attendance still dead last in attendance. Now I know that this team right now isn't a playoff team, but at the beginning of the season, there was optimism yet. It didn't equate into the seats and into people buying tickets. Obviously the newness of the new stadium, when it opens or the new arena will bring fans in at least for a year or two. But what does the bucks ownership have to do to get Milwaukee to make the feel to feel like the bucks are relevant because it still seems in sports circles, sports radio, newspaper, that the Bucks are still the third or fourth option when you talk about sports in Milwaukee. I think it's a shame. Well, the the obvious reason for that is the struggles the team's had over the past thirty years at this point. I'm you know, I I wasn't alive really for most of the eighties. I was born in eighty six, so uh, I don't remember exactly what the 1980s so you were the like. Good times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did, but but I suspect that sports radio was probably largely about Brewers and Bucks at that time, and not much about the Packers. Packers were going through right. a pretty down time, and it had been a while since they had been good at that point. And then the 90s came around. The Packers were rejuvenated. The Bucks weren't very good, and the Brewers weren't very good. So all anybody cared about was the Packers. And now the Packers have been pretty much good for since you know from 1992 since you know up till now. So obviously this is Packer Nation, whether it's in Milwaukee or Green Bay or Madison. Packers are kind of the thing wherever you go. And almost all that is attributed to the success they've had. And it's almost generational success now. My dad's seen them be successful. I've seen them be successful. I have friends with very young kids who now have seen the Packers be successful. And it's just kind of getting passed down and passed down. My whole generation hasn't seen a successful Bucks team outside of the three-year stretch from 98 to 2001 and then one year in 2009-10 and then one year last year. So until you build sustained success that kind of passes down generation to generation, I think you're going to have a hard time filling up the stadium every season, even in down years. Right now, the, the short-term and long-term path to success for the Bucks and path to a full arena is these young guys that they're investing in paying off and producing a lot of wins and being the kind of character guys that Milwaukee likes. If you can win and have guys that 
the fans can really get behind, that's kind of what's going to get you a full arena every night. And it seems like Jabari Parker is that kind of guy. It seems like Giannis is that kind of guy. So it seems like they, they're aware of this, and that's why, you know, own the future, that's Jabari and Giannis. And, Jeremy, uh, with uh, just looking forward ahead, uh, before we let you go, we know you're a busy man, but uh, you have uh, – they have four of their next five at home, uh, starting with Minnesota on Friday. Uh, what should this? What should they, you know, fans and, and what should the team expect against the likes of Minnesota, Oklahoma City, going on the road, you know, just a short trip to Chicago, but then against Miami and New Orleans uh, for the next week and a half. Yeah, when you talk about those four home games, Minnesota and New Orleans are two incredibly beatable teams. You, I mean, some of these lineups that New Orleans has been trotting out this season, my God. They started Kendrick Perkins last night or tonight. There was a guy named Dijon Jones who I'd never heard of. He was in the starting lineup. Norris Cole they're putting out there. Omar Ashik is one of their more reliable starters. It's a sad state of affairs outside of Anthony Davis in New Orleans. So certainly that's a winnable game. The game against Minnesota should be exciting. That's if I were you know a paying customer type fan, I would not I would not mind coming to check out Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins against Giannis and Jabari Parker. Should be an entertaining game. Minnesota plays a pretty up tempo style, so. That could be that could be a reminiscent of that Rockets game from Monday, and maybe even more favorable for the Bucks. So there's some good games coming up. Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook. That's going to be tough. There's I, I wouldn't say that there's a lot of winnable games in there, but certainly there's two or three that they should be able to take down. But really, the rest of the season is not about winning games as much as it's about can Giannis, Jabari, and Middleton play well, play together, and start to really show that the Bucks have something for next season and create a little bit of momentum, I guess. Jeremy, we're going to let you go because I know you, you've got some things you have to take care of, but I'd like to get you on before the playoffs and talk about the rest of the NBA, including a, an Eastern Conference that has Toronto and Boston sitting in, in, in two of the top four spots, uh, kind of a topsy-turvy East with the Bulls struggling, and then obviously everything in the West with the Spurs and the Warriors kind of running away with things. But So hopefully we can find some time for you in the next, or you can find some time for us in the next couple of weeks to start previewing the playoffs as we get closer to it. Absolutely, guys. Yeah, I'd love to come back on. Yeah, like you said, the East is very, very different this season. It's more competitive, and everybody's just kind of pretty good. There's not the same number of bad teams that there usually are, and it's not quite so top-heavy. So, yeah, definitely let's find some time in the next couple of weeks. Love to come back on. That's great. That, that was Jeremy Schmidt from Buckskipball here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Rank College Pads. Big thanks to Jeremy Schmidt of Buckskipball.com. Make sure you follow him uh, at B-U-C-K-S-K-E-T-B-A-L-L, Buckskipball. And uh, big thanks to him. Big thanks to, again, Phil Mitten at Hoops Marinara. Follow us on Twitter ourselves at B5Q for Bucky's fifth quarter, at Kilbasa Kings WI, at Scott Wisniewski 2, and, of course, at Jake Coco B5Q. Wrapping up the show now, Scotty and I uh, got a busy weekend. Scotty's doing himself uh, having a wrestling show uh, up in uh, Fredonia for uh, a great cause to uh, to fight cancer. Scotty, you want to talk about that real quick before we take it home with some combine? Well, yeah, real quick. Um, <coughs> head out to that show because all proceeds go to help um, finally cure cancer if Someday, maybe it will become a reality, um, and you can help make that happen by showing up 
and watching what will be my second-to-last match ever. My last one will take place in May in lacrosse. I had my Milwaukee finale last Sunday. It was phenomenal, and I couldn't have been more pleased with how that event went. And, uh, yeah, so there's that. Excellent. With the Wisconsin Badgers, three of them competed in the NFL scouting combine week that was. uh, Last week you had offensive lineman Tyler Merritt. You had Joel Stave throwing as a quarterback. Had some pretty impressive numbers, actually, uh, compared to a guy that was 6'5 and came in at 236, so he had about 16 pounds of muscle. And then Joe Schobert, who many are projecting to be a 3-4 inside linebacker and, and who you know maybe a mid-round pick. Who knows if Ted Thompson has his eyes looking at the uh, athletic and uh, impressive uh, Joe Schobert. So with that, and obviously you and I have talked, I mean, there's been a couple of things, Scotty. You and I both know, and we've talked a lot about uh, with just these former student athletes now going into the professional game, just how you have those workout warriors, those freaks that all of a sudden they surprise and they, they bust out and, you know, they, they shoot up the charts. The other guys that don't test that well and maybe their stock drops a little bit. But uh, when you see these Badgers, you know, um, I, I guess, you know, off the top of your head, I mean, I mean, Schobert, what is, let's start with Joe. Uh, and, and he started with, let me just bring it up there, weight, you know, came in about six, little under, uh, over 6'1", about 244 pounds, uh, ran the 40-yard dash in about 4.76 officially, with a 10-yard split, split of 1.63. Yeah, he showed some nice bench press uh, 22 times, uh, 225. Uh, you know, and then, uh, it, it just, it looks like with, uh, what he had, um, I, I, he looked like he's very fluid and, and especially with the, you know, uh, the, the mobile drills, uh, he looks like a good three, four, uh, linebacker and, uh, you know, which is a lot to say, especially with a former, uh, you know, former walk-on and, and now, you know, two-year starter and, uh, the Big Ten linebacker of the year. Yeah, um, he's going to find his way on a roster, and he's going to have uh, he's going to he's going to be an overachiever. I, I mean, that, that just he kind of fits that mold. He, he's going to be a guy who um, who will impress and, and do things that uh, uh, are beyond some of his skill levels, and, and more importantly, the intangibles aside, he's a player. You know what I mean? Like he's he's just a, a player, uh, and and I think that a lot of times when you go to the combine, everybody goes through their measurables and this and and that, and all, they pick them apart that way. But in the end, I think that people lose the emphasis on whether or not somebody can just flat out play. And I think in the end, you're going to find out that Schobert can just flat out play. And you look at Joel Stave. And, uh, you know, and with the way, I mean, from what I saw from him throwing the ball, and, and I know Kurt Warner had some interesting talk just about some of the footwork, maybe needing a little, some work, but he over, he compensated well with a strong upper body. He seemed to swing the ball, or sling the ball, uh, spin the ball pretty well on Saturday. And, uh, you know, and, and 
and obviously and I've talked to with this book project that I'm working on, I've talked to a bunch of players and, and coaches talk and, and media just talking about Joel Stave and just his intangibles and also what he went through and being like the most polarized, basically the most polarizing quarterback since Mike Samuel and probably one of the more polarizing student athletes Wisconsin's had uh, along with Trayvon Jackson. Uh, but, you know, I, I think teams are going to give him a look. I, I really feel that uh, obviously he's smart. He's highly intelligent. He's an engineering major. He has the intangibles in terms of height. His just he ran a four eight forty, which I know doesn't really mean too much for top end speed for a quarterback, but uh, he he displayed some athleticism at the at the combine. Uh, I mean, I think he's going to get a shot at the NFL. He's going to sign on to the team. I'm not saying he's. Gonna, I don't know if he'll be a, a late round pick per se, depending upon individual workouts, but. I, I think he'll. I mean, I, he'll wind up at some camp. I think. He's, I mean, he has a shot to be a backup quarterback in this league. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, I didn't think. I, I didn't think Scott Tolzien would ever be a backup NFL quarterback. So, um, and he he's proven to be. So, yeah, I, I, I guess sure. I think he's got just as much of a chance as as anybody. And uh, with that. Uh... Yeah, the entire merits who didn't necessarily test out that well in terms of bench uh, and and the forty, but I, I will say though that both Robbie ha- uh, Havenstein of the now L.A. Rams and, uh, had a uh, did not bench well. I think he had sixteen reps at two twenty five, uh, up to about twenty at the pro day last year and was selected in the second round. Did not allow a sack according to Pro Football Focus this season. And then uh, Travis Frederick, who ran like a 5.54, which is very comparable to what Merritt's ran uh, this past week. And of course, he was a Pro Bowl, sele- you know, he's a Pro Bowl caliber player as well. So uh, my point th- exactly. My point exactly. Again, um, when we not to beat a dead horse, but let's just put it out there. If you can run a 4.440, uh, and I can run a 4.5 but I'm just a better football player than you. It stinks that you might get drafted ahead of me because of silliness. Or you can bench 225 15 times, and I can do a 20, but you're going to not get beat in the trenches, and I'm going to not stay focused, and that strength means nothing when I'm allowing sacks and getting my franchise quarterback killed. But, you know, I I don't know. I, you, I don't, I don't want to go on and on about it, but you understand where I'm coming from. Absolutely, absolutely. So, let's, obviously, uh, I'll be down there at Pro Day next Wednesday with Owen Reese, our uh, one of our Bucky's fifth quarter, kind of our draft analyst, our our scout, if you will, in terms of uh, breaking that down. Uh, next week, uh, like Scotty mentioned, we have a lot to talk about conference tournaments, NFL free agency. We have women's hockey doing play, uh, doing really well. Uh, obviously, uh, and then also you have just a, a lot going on, so it's going to be a jam-packed show. We'll let you guys know when that is. Um, Scott, anything else before we really take it home, brother? No, no, that uh, that pretty much covers it. All right, well, guys, thanks for tuning in for the Polish Rifle. Scott Wisniewski, this is Jake Kokorowski. Big thanks again to Phil Mitten and Jeremy Schmidt for joining us on this edition of the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Brought to you by Brent College Pads and a very proud part of Bucky's fifth quarter.
Accordion solo, American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumba no purchase necessary btw void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus